guys, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast. <laughs> you can't switch it up like that. You can't switch it up like that. I was like, what is that guy, Fat Albert, who's like, hey, 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 it's Fat. Richard, I was watching you and I was like, are we going to hold it in? Are we going to hold it in? I was watching both of you really try hard not to lose it. Oh my God. <laughs> And I have like a really bad cough, so I feel like I'm about to hack up. Like, <clears throat> well, that was an interesting start to today. Uh, welcome. <laughs> okay. It's great. Note to yeah. self, leave that in. Leave it in. I was drinking some water after that one. Oh my God. Well, hey guys. You know, I try to shake things up and just, you know, enter this a different way, but apparently old habits die hard so welcome to book talk made me the podcast where we talk about all your favorite books from book talk and any recommendation they have we want to hear so you know you can find us on book talk made me underscore pod on tiktok and instagram so if you have a book recommendation shoot it our way and we'll work it into the schedule because today's book actually came from a book talk recommendation from our friend listen with brit So when we had her on the podcast, we were talking about books and, you know, what is she excited to to hear what's coming out? And she had mentioned the Kingdom of the Wicked series. And she started to talk to her a little bit about us and we're like, huh, this sounds good. And the third book is dropping at the end of September, September 27th, I believe, or around that time. And so we spiked it in. We said, let's let's throw our schedule to the wind and bring it in for – a nice little recap of a three-part series because it you was, know what? we said, love a series. It was really her enthusiasm of adding the main character, Wrath, to her Why Choose boyfriend list that I was kind of like, all right, now I need to see what this man is all about. Speaking of, I did not look at any fan art and then I found one today actually just recapping and prepping for this episode and I was like, wow, wow, wee woo. Sadly, I knew what he looked like before I started, so I already had a good visual going in because, you know, every single time I saw him pop up, I was like... Who's Who is this, this man Rath person? And where is this book coming from? So, I mean, Wrath fits the very quintessential boy that we love. Dark, tall, handsome, muscular. But a little bit of an asshole. Reason, oh, an asshole. Yeah, I love that. An asshole for, to everyone but her. For some reason, my Plus brain kept banter. going for – have you guys watched any of the new Game of Thrones spinoff series, House of the Dragon? Yeah, like okay, for minutes. some reason, my brain was picturing Damon, so the blonde-haired. Um, no. And I don't know why. I don't know why my brain went to that. He's not mentioned that description at all, but that's what I kept picturing. And so when I saw this fan art, I'm like, this is an improvement. This I was about to say. Um, that Fast improvement. I don't want to be sounding like a superficial bitch, but I was very disappointed with the casting. Look-wise, for Game of Thrones, this – yeah. Not, you know, uh, not a lot of eye candy there. No. So I've always had a thing for Matt Smith. Right, because he He's did a okay. great job yeah. in The Crown. Yeah, and he was um, Doctor Who for a while. I don't um, watch Doctor Who, but I know he was in that. So It's just like the blonde here that really... So we've never... Well, I say we. Bridge, you and I really don't like blondes that much. And... Whatever blonde we did like, it was ruined for us by Tamlin. Leon has tried to redeem the blonde men for us. No, I like Leon as a blonde. Leon's not a dirty blonde, blonde, though. Yeah, he's a dirty blonde. But, like, blondes have been ruined. It's all Tamlin's fault. Eh. And there's, like, 
one book. It was like our monthly oh. romance, and the guys were like, I think Russian, and they were blonde. All hot men are dark haired, light eyes. Mm-hmm. I agree with this. Yeah. The, with the one exception, the one exception I'll give you is Chris Hemsworth. That's oh, yeah. I don't even That's... think they're like that good looking, though. He's very good looking, I think. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't be like, no, I'm sorry, Chris Hemsworth. Oh, giving him a chance in person, like, yeah, I'm not kicking him out of the bed. No, never. But, like, that's not my cup of tea. But if you're saying, like, hey, it's Chris, Hem- Chris Hemsworth or, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Chris Henry Hemsworth Cavill. or Henry Cavill. Henry all We're day. Going We're going for heaven. We're going no for heaven. No chance. My my choose is four versions of Henry Cavill. <laughs> Basically it. It literally is. So Wrath could also play Henry Cavill. I'm okay with this. Yeah. He's like a broody witcher type. Also a blonde that I will accept mainly because he's Henry He's not Cavill. blonde. He's white haired. White haired. Yeah. Well, okay. Anything anything other than dark hair, I have a hard time accepting. I am who I am. And I just like a Henry Cavill. We know what your husband looks like, so that tracks. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's <laughs> I would like, love to hear. <laughs> John's also dark hair, dark eyes, so that so, tracks. You know as well. what? We got a type, and I'm I'm glad that we we're sticking with that. <clears throat> so Let's get into this book, Kingdom of the Wicked. Now, this is a three-book series, like I mentioned. We'll cover book two coming up shortly. Um, Book three drops at the end of the month. So you can go with us on this journey because we don't know where it's taking us. And sometimes we're a little confused. We'll do our best to to prep you guys, take you through it. Oh, do we want to make the happy announcement? For book three. I know what it is. I was just waiting to see if anyone was going to figure out what she's... (laughs) We have a special guest. We do. A recurring guest. A recurring cast member. So since Listen With Brit was the one who recommended this to us, we are going to have her back on the podcast, I guess, a month, basically. Yep. Recording. So we're going to have her back, have her give us her thoughts on where she ended with the series. If this is the final book, I'm not even sure, actually. I think it is. I think it's going to be a three-book series. That episode is scheduled to go live 10-4-ish. Yeah. Maybe you know we like an ish, so give us a day or two. But yes, we'll have Listen with Britt back on. We enjoyed her having so much when we recaps part of the Zodiac series, and we're happy to have her insight again, and then she can tell us how we're pronouncing everything wrong. Because again, she listens to the auto- audiobook, she gets I feel like she has like the answers to the test. You know what I mean? Like especially with all these Italian like names and stuff like that. I'm like, well, I don't know what this is. We're um, we're working through it. Question number one. How are we pronouncing Carrie's last name? Oh, the author? Mm-hmm. Please hold while I go Manalesco? to the front page. I would wanna say it is Carrie Maniscalco. 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 Maniscalo? Maniscalo. I don't know. Uh, Miniscalo. Sounds Italian. I'm really sorry, Carrie. Miniscals. Miniscalo. It's Italian. I don't think we say the co. Is Liam trying to correct us? Yeah, do you hear him? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I thought it was James. I was like, not James. I thought it was Nicholas. I was like, oops, sorry. Well, the little boy likes to wake up two hours after he goes to sleep. It's real fun times. Let's get into our recap of this book and bring you along this Italian journey with us. So this book takes place... In Italy, specifically, I believe Palermo. Palermo, and it centers around, and it it is back in what we call the olden days. I believe it is the nineteenth ish century. So, think of Italy back in that time. What's there for entertainment? You've got the church, you've got food, you've got festivals. 
And that's kind of the the setting in which this this whole series takes place. And I will say, she did a fantastic job describing Italy, the food, the culture. It made me really want to go there. The main protagonist's family owns a restaurant um, called Sea and Vine, which it just you know, made me really she, hungry. Made me so hungry. Really <laughs> she's did. going into how she's chopping the bread to make the pesto, and they're they're big into cooking. Her family. So let me introduce the family. Our story starts off with centers around really two twins born into a witchy family, the DiCarlo family. So they are twins born into this family. The twins are also witches. Now, the witchy blood is passed down through the matriarchal line, so through their grandmother, but not every witch is born with witch power. So their mother does not, but their grandmother does. And so she plays a very central role throughout their teachings to make sure that they are blessing their amulets, that they are getting grave dirt. I don't know why it has to be grave dirt specifically, but they're getting grave dirt. They have their moon-blessed chalk. They're sewing things into their skirts to make sure that they're protected because Nona, their grandmother, is very fearful of the Malvagi, which are doing work and searching for souls for their king, the devil. And so she's constantly warning the girls about the devil, the demon princes, the hellhounds, she kind of alludes to her curse and we need to be careful because of this curse, but doesn't really go into a lot of details with the girls about what it is. The girls have two charms. So they each have a charm, a cornicello, I believe is how it's said. And every full moon, they have to bless it to make sure that it keeps their protection. So Nona always tells them, keep it on at all times, never take it off. And more importantly, never, never, never let it touch. They don't get an explanation why. These are just known as rules. Now, one time, because they're young, before these girls, you know, the rest of the story takes place when they're a little older. I want to say in their late teens, early 20s. But when they're little, they decide to take the amulets off because they're like, what could happen? Nona's so silly. These are not real things that happen to the world. And when they don't listen, a lavender shimmering light explodes from their amulets. And as that happens, a hellhow hounds up at the moon and they're kind of freaked out like what the heck was that did we do that was that us no that was the wind it's fine it's fine everything's fine put them back on we're not going to talk about this um so they know what happens no one else knows what happens you know what happens and you're like this is some foreshadowing this is going to come back to haunt them later um oh and just ever since that happened amelia who's the main protagonist she starts being able to see i think an aura around people Um, yes what do you call this aura Hilda, aura. You're really interested to see what <laughs> what you how you're saying this. Um, the aura. <laughs> so they call it an Italian word. It's called it's L U C C I C A R E. Lucicari. Chiari. Lucchiari. I forget in Italian if the C C is a ch or the K sound. Yeah, I'm not sure. So we're gonna call it an aura going forward to not hurt your ears and make you guys curse us for not being able to pronounce Italian words. Or anything in general. Yeah, sorry. It's not our strong suit. Hey, it's in our bio. We mess up things all the time. So since this happens, Amelia can see uh, a shimmering aura around any person. The only people that can't see it are her and her twin. Her twin's name is Vittoria. So when we meet these characters, it's all centered around her family's restaurant, Sea and Vine. Um, 
Amelia and Victoria, Vittoria, I should say not Victoria, Vittoria, um, both work there and they're late to dinner. The girls, of course, their twins are very, very close. And when her sister arrives, Amelia can immediately notice there's something different with Vittoria. Now she suits, chalks it up to a young suitor in town, Domenico Nucci Jr., and thinks that her sister's just maybe fraternizing with this local boy. You know, they're just making out in dark corners. She's late because of this. But of course, Nona knows something's up and she keeps warning them that something is coming. Something's coming. Watch out for the Malvagi. Are you charming your charms? Are you doing your spells? And they're like, yes, Nona, we got it. Fine. Such a nag. Um, but it's at this restaurant that Amelia has to go help a member of the Brotherhood. So again, church is very centric to the story. And she has to go cook some dinner for the brothers in the Brotherhood. And she meets her old crush, I'd say when she was little, Antonio Vincenzo Bernardo. We're going to go with Antonio, but that's his full name. Now, Antonio, she did have a crush on him before. And after the passing of his mom, he immediately turned to faith and gave his life to the Brotherhood. So Amelia is a little bummed because that means they can't get married in the future, but it doesn't stop her from wanting him or thinking he's pretty cute. I was about to say this. She still has a crush on him at yeah. the very beginning of his book. And they were they were neighbors before he moved into the monastery. And he obviously likes her. Yeah. Or so we think. So we think. Guess Spoiler we'll find alert. out. <laughs> uh, so they're living in Palermo. And again, they are witches, but they're a secret. They basically have secret identities. So despite all of Nona's teachings, that's all done secretly in the house because there are witch hunters and people that hunt the witches. And they need to be very, very careful of who they talk to. So there are other witch families in Palermo. They were part of a coven. But the coven disbanded after some issues with an older coven member getting lost in the dark arts and basically losing her mind. And so the coven has disbanded. And no one really talks to each other out of protection for the other families. So they all know kind of who each other are. But they don't really talk or hang out that often, again, to protect everyone. The twins have one friend who's also a witch. Her name is Claudia. And her aunt, I can't remember the aunt's name, but it was their grandmother. Caroline, I think. I think Carolina. So. Carolina. It was their grandmother who went um, dark art crazy and I think the grandmother's mind. name was Sophia or Sophia. Sophia Santorini. There we go. Crazy old Sophia Santorini. All right. So after Amelia has to go hang out and make her pasta, her weekly pasta dinner for the Brotherhood. She brings all her ingredients there. And again, the author does a really good job of showing how she makes the dough. She hand kneads it. She bakes it to a crust. It's really just made you very hungry listening to this. Um, and she goes down to the monastery. And she already starts to get a weird vibe. Something's looking at her. Something's watching her. And that's when she runs into her twin. And she's like, what are you doing here, sis? And she's like, oh, you know, just like summoning the devil. And they're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Okay, well, but what the, are you really doing here? The twin sister like pranked them and like showed up in a cloak and it was like making them seem like it was the devil or something. And they freaked out. And then afterwards, she's like, so what are you doing here? And then she was like, oh, I'm summoning the devil. Right. So when... Amelia went over there to go cook her dinner. She was with Antonio in sort of a dark room. It was just the two of them. And so they heard weird noises. And then Vittoria pranked them. And she was like, just here summoning the devil. LOL, JK. Wink, wink. And Because those are just things that we normally we joke about. We just joke about. about, right? Like, it's just a Tuesday. I feel like I joke about that a lot, so I thought it was normal. <laughs> uh, maybe not when there's like a religious, you know, 
people are getting burned at the witches in these times. Burned as witches. I don't know. That's when I'm, the jokes come out the most is when I'm with, you know, in the Catholic church. I'm like, oh, can't walk in. So Nona warns them, you know, previously before they go out, don't stay out. Go to the Brotherhood, make your dinner, come back. Something is not right. I don't like this. Again, they kind of chalk it up to like Nona being Nona. Um, but while she's in the monastery, she gets a feeling of someone looking at her, a dark feeling. And she hears some noises. So she calls out for her sister thinking she's still there. No answer. Uh, Antonio earlier had mentioned that there's maybe some shapeshifters. There's some rumors around going around town. Because, you know, if there's witches, there's got to be other magical beings that we're just not fully aware of as they are in hiding as well. And she should take care because she's not exactly sure what's out here. So after she makes them dinner, there's a festival the next night. Amelia goes back to the monastery. Because she left your basket there. Ah, there She left your basket because she was in such a rush. Basically, when Victoria, um, not Victoria, Victoria pranked them afterwards, she was teasing her sister about having a crush on Antonio. And so she like beelined out of there with her sister and she left all of her ingredients in her basket there. So the next day, while everybody went to the festival, she headed back to the monastery. Um, she retrieved her the monastery to retrieve her basket. While there, she is called, she feels a buzzing. And as our girl SJM says, like calls to like. So magic is calling her deeper into the monastery where she comes upon a figure in a darkened room and there are candles around in a protection circle or so it looks like to her with different offerings and flowers around and the the figure has a big hood on she can't quite tell who it is but she can tell that they're tall and masculine and the figure does not realize that she's there so she's kind of tucked into the corner just observing all of this she realizes that there is a body that he's leaning over and she sees this man kind of take his hand which has been in the blood of this body laying there and he sniffs it or licks it and Amelia cannot stand for this because the witches, you know, there's no desecration of a dead body. We have to protect these souls and bring them to, you know, the church being as well. We have to protect them, giving them a proper burial. So she dashes out of her hiding spot, screams, stop. The stranger jumps from her presence, drops a dagger he had in his hand, and it takes off. So she picks up this gold snake dagger. Um, It's very intricately made. And she picks it up and looks over to the dead body and she sees that the dead body is actually her sister, Vittoria. Vittoria's heart has been ripped out from her chest, and Amelia is traumatized from seeing this and runs out back home. Nona immediately, again, having a bad feeling about this whole night, sees her sis- sees Amelia with blood on her hands from holding the dagger and holding her sister's, you know, her, being by her body, and knows instantly something has happened to Vittoria. She thinks that it wasn't a human attack. Nona thinks it wasn't human. She thinks this is a blood debt responsible for Victoria's murder. And she explains that it's part of an ancient bargain struck between La Prima, who is sort of the main ancient head witch, the matriarch of all the witches, and the devil. And it's believed that La Prima cursed the witches and others believe that the devil cursed the witches. And we'll find out a little bit later that's sort of the cause why they think that the witch genes do not pass down to every woman in their matriarchal line that this is part of the curse of the devil they find out that there are victoria is not the first witch murder but not everyone knows there are witches there's actually been three murders before her so amelia is determined 
to find her sister's killer. And I'd say the book focuses heavily on revenge and finding out who their killer is. Amelia, grief-stricken, decides that she needs to take matters into her own hand. No one's finding this murderer. And she needs to avenge her. Now, she notices when by her sister's body that her sister is missing her amulet. Now, of course, her grandmother had warned her, don't ever take this off. This is your protection spell. So immediately she's on edge. She knows something is not right. This is definitely someone who's tied to the magical power beings. They know the power of this and what they've taken. One night, Amelia knocks over a glass of water and the liquids kind of run to the floorboards. And that's where she finds her sister's diary. Now, in that, you know, it's not uncommon for a sister to have a diary to write her ramblings. They shared a room. She knew she had it. But what's startling to her is that there's different objects in there so there's different objects in there she's never seen these before she doesn't know where her sister got these from but most importantly there are dark sheets of paper black parchment tied together with a matching string and this is confusing to her because it's looking very much like a spell she tries to open her sister's diary which was found in the same place but it won't budge tries to use a couple spells she has for opening this book but she can't because her sister has enchanted it which means that in using magic she's never seen before. So she cannot get into this book. And she believes that all the clues to her sister's murder, especially why she was on edge, why she was late for things, why she was in a white, weird white gown, which I don't think I mentioned when they found her in the monastery. Like all these things are uncharacteristic for her sister. So she's hoping that these clues can be found in this diary, which is very frustrating to her because she cannot get into it. She's thinking, hmm, who knows extra magic that I can bring this to? Oh, my cousin Claudia. Now, Claudia's aunt, we said this is the family from old crazy uh, Sophia Santorini, whose mind went crazy after dabbling in some dark arts. And she figures, I'm going to go to them and see if they can help me break this curse that's on the diary. Instead of going to her cousin, she goes to her aunt Carolina. And Carolina tells her, put this back where it came from. This is not good magic. I don't know what you're getting into. You don't dabble in the dark arts. I do, and I'm telling you, this is not great. Amelia also pulls out the grimoire sheets. Now, grimoire sheets grow. A, Hilda, what's a good explanation for a grimoire? I feel like you've mentioned about this before, but it's sort of like a witchy diary or witchy like how to book. Spell book. Yeah, a grimoire. I think it's a grimoire. Just a grimoire. Yeah, is just yeah. It's like the family spell book that's handed down from generation to generation. It's yeah. a collection of like. Spells that they've crafted, ingredients that they need for rituals, and so on and so on. So the dark pages that Amelia found with her sister's diary turn out to be a summoning spell uh, from someone's grimoire. And she theorizes that Vittoria was trying to con- – she theorizes that Vittoria was trying to control a demon. Amelia is like, my sister would never do that. I don't believe that. And Carolina says, all right, well, try it for yourself. You know, unless you have an object that belongs to a prince of hell, this spell here should only summon a lower level demon. You can exchange something, a favor for them, and hopefully they can give you the answers you want. Uh, but she does say that the spells are very tricky, so make sure you're following it correctly. So Amelia says, all right, game on. I'm going to solve this mystery and I'm going to summon a demon. I think at this um, point, too, she's starting to, like, understand that her non- Nona has not been telling her the truth about everything. She's realizing there's an entire another side to all of the dark magic and demons can walk the earth and stuff like that. And Nona hasn't been telling the full truth, only half truths. 
And Amelia is very protective of her family. Having lost her sister really puts into perspective with her, her small town, her village, her family, her friends, that she really wants to protect them. If something is bad, if there are witch hunters out there, she needs to get to the bottom of this for everyone's greater good. So she decides she's going to summon this demon, this lesser demon, and have him help her locate the man who is standing over her sister's body because she believes he's ultimately the killer. So she goes into a cave, which is where any good spell summoning takes place. And again, we're from Florida, so I'm like, I don't even know where the heck I'd find a cave to do all these summonings, but Italy is just ripe with them. So Amelia takes the Grimori sheets and gives it her best go and says, I'm going to summon these demons. It's in Latin. My Latin's a little little iffy, but we're going to make it work because I haven't heard these translations before. She makes the circle. She gets the blood. The blood gets knocked over and she's like, well, crap. I have no other blood. I have to do this before the darkness ends because I'm doing this at night again. Cave, dark night. These things all seem to want to go together. And this all seems like a really good idea. Yeah. Like this is if this is a movie, we'd be like, that's a bad idea. This is a bad idea. Don't go in there. So she comes up with the, I'm gonna bound this thing forever in eternal protection. That's like the translation I'm gonna use. That seems right. This seems this seems like it's gonna work out for me. Not a recipe for disaster at all. Right. And she, you know, she's connecting him to a circle. So he can't leave the circle. He can't harm her. And he's going to protect her forever. Which we find out, and I think is interesting, that these demons are very well-mannered. So they've got very strict rules and they're very um, particular about their manners. So they can't go anywhere, I guess like vampires, uninvited. But they have certain rules to how they are announced, how they're spoken to, how we share things. And we get into a little bit more of that later. I just found it you know, interesting here. They seem very royal. I mean, they are princes of hell or whatever. But they are princes of hell. They act You're right. Royal. They have very royal rules that accompany that. Of accompany that. So Amelia knocks down this jar of blood and she's like, well, crap, I got to get this done before the sun comes up. And decides to slice open her arm. And that's the blood I'll use. It'll be fine. Everything's fine. We're going to be fine. I just want to say that just because you're evil doesn't mean you can't have manners. That's true. Or be hot. I guess looking. Something she realizes as well. Yep. So as she finishes the summoning circle, you know, smoke whirls around and poof, uh, a demon appears. Poof. There he is. Poof. There he is. Indeed. How long have you been holding on to that one? Literally two seconds as my head popped in, <laughs> it popped into my head. So poof. There he is. And of course, he is a tall, dark haired man. He initially is not facing Amelia, so she can't quite see who she is. But she knows immediately, oh, shit. This is maybe not a lesser demon that I thought. She reaches for her protection spell to see what his aura is, and it's coming back not the faint purple that she sees from most humans. It's coming black, back black and gold. And she's only seen that once before about the man that was standing over her sister's body. Bum, bum, bum. So Amelia immediately attacks, the da- attacks this man with the dagger that he left at his sister's murder site. She tries slashing him away, but because he's a demon, this doesn't really do much. And he just kind of lets her hack at him. As she's hacking at him, she cuts a pain in his arm. He gets a pain in his arm. And the tattoo slowly forms up their arm. Now, you know, like our friends in Akatar, a tattoo means what, friends? A tattoo means a bond. And they're both like, what the what? What is happening here? And we should note that the demon is flabbergasted and outraged. Like, what did you do? And she's like, what do you mean? I summoned you because I'm so clever. He's like, no. Please tell me exactly the words you used. What did you do? She explains that 
I've summoned you here. You're going to help me and you're going to protect this town. You're going to help me solve this murder. And he's very like, uh, okay, I can see you're not understanding the repercussions of what you've done. So we're just going to, I'm going to help you through this. And he says, he explains that he is the Prince of Wrath. So not a lesser demon, but one of the seven princes of hell, I guess. He is Wrath, the general of war, one of the feared seven. He says, you can just call me Wrath because demons don't let their full names out. So he just says, I'm Wrath. Nice to meet you. So immediately, Amelia is like, why were you standing over my sister's body? What happened? What are you doing? And he says, well, um, I'm not answering that until you tell me what the heck you just used, what spell you used to summon me here in order for them to be able to trade this information. And this is something, this is something we'll see carry throughout, which I found a little bit annoying, honestly. It's like, I'm not going to tell you information unless you tell me information. So there's constantly this back and forth trade, not with her, but with any sort of character from hell. Like, spoiler alert, we meet a couple of them. There's not a free knowledge of information that comes out. It's a lot of trading back and forth. Everything comes with a price. It's either blood or info. I yep. guess that's like a life motto. It's all transactional. <laughs> it's, the price. it's very transactional. So he says, according to the bond that you've given me, I have to ensure your safety because, again, her bound with forever protection. And in order for you to let me protect you, you have to give me a blood bond. And this will help me let you know when you're in trouble. Otherwise, the other brothers, my brothers, the other six princes will come. They'll try to recruit you to their house. So they all have houses, kind of Harry Potter-esque, where there's like House of Wrath, House of Greed, House of Gluttony, House of Pride. Um, and they I may want to come I was thinking very much demon trials, like how each of them had their own like different ward. You know, I also told Hilda I was getting demon trials from this, but better, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Better. I try to compare nothing to demon trials. I still like the last book of Demon Trials. I don't care what you guys say. I mean, it was my favorite, but because it ended the series. <laughs> You're so bad. So harsh. You can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're leaving it in. So one of Nona's teachings, which immediately is a red flag that Amelia notices, is that her grandmother has taught her, don't ever enter a, a blood bond with a demon. And which is exactly the predicament she's found herself in. So she keeps refusing that. She's like, no, 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 I'm good. Like, thank, thanks, but no thanks. You know, respectfully, no. I would question a lot of Nona's, like, advice. But I feel like that's pretty solid advice. Don't go into a blood bond with a demon. I, I like think the first one was don't summon a demon. And what did she do? Summon a demon. Well, okay. So there's some back and forth again on this, like, I'll give you this inf information unless you tell me this information. And it goes back and forth for a little while. Um, but ultimately, Wrath tells her that his brother Pride bargained with her sister, Victoria, and that she was going to be married to one of the princes of hell. And the reason for this is because Pride needed to marry to break a curse placed on him. And Wrath, being the good brother, a.k.a. bored, and this seemed interesting, decided to help him. So his bride, Pride's bride needs to be a witch, um, specifically, to help break the curse. They have to have magical abilities. Um I guess if they are approached and refused, they face some kind of consequence. So everyone's basically like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm marrying a demon of hell. Um, and sometime after this, Wrath goes to let them know you've been selected. Like, here's a rose. Congrats. You've been selected as a bride of pride. Like and the next day he gives them a day. He's very generous. A day to consider their fate and he'll come back to get them. And this is where we realize during that waiting period in that day waiting is when these girls are being killed. 
So Pry Raph does not know why this is happening. He just knows it's happening. And, you know, I can't tell you. There's a lot of – I think one of the most frustrating parts of the story as we go through, and Hilda and I talked a little bit about this earlier, is that there's a lot of guessing that needs to happen because you can tell Wrath is withholding information. And your brain is kind of filling in the blanks as you go. Or like, I guess he's holding back information because of X, Y, Z. Um, you have Amelia's POV, which you're reading, and she's making a certain assumptions. So your brain's a little confused trying to figure out who's right. Because you've got what you think is right, what she thinks is right, maybe what's actually happening. They could be three different things. Which Right. And this book doesn't have a POV for him. So it's, it's one POV and it's all Amelia. So truly, you're really just wondering most of the time. And he can't technically lie to her, but you know he's lying through admission. Right, exactly. Which, you know, he gives one word answers for this, like, do you know who murdered my sister? And it's like, no. And it's like, blink, yeah, blink, blink. Okay, cool. The, who did? One of the things we said, Caitlin, was like, we couldn't, at least I couldn't figure out, was I fill in, filling in the information that I was, like, inferring? Because we're not getting a lot of details. Or if this is actually what is happening. And I couldn't figure that out because I'm not a passive reader. I constantly formulate like situations trying to solve the mystery. But I feel like that this book was written like that because I was also like halfway through, I was like, Oh my God, is this going to happen? Or is this going to happen? I just think it's the type of book that it is. Yeah, it is. And I think we're all sort of that kind of reader where we're formulating. I see the ending. I know what's going to happen. Which is always fun when something happens that isn't how you saw what's going to happen. Um, so in order to get Raph to help her, she's got to get him some clothes. Because, of course, he arrived, like, just in jeans. Not jeans, but, like, pants. Like, low-slung <laughs> pants showing off his V. And you're like, of course. This and his, is how wait, he just arrives. And his cool tattoos. His cool tattoos. So why she's out in the market trying to find some clothes for him to wear, she's followed again. A man is out to get her, kind of like Rath already predicted, his brothers are coming for him. So this is her first encounter with um, Envy, so the other prince, Envy. So he tries to use his powers to take Rath's dagger. Now remember, she had this from, um, she picked it up after her sister's dead body, used it to cut open her arm to summon Rath, and she's been keeping it on her person to make sure she's protected. Um, and he uses his powers to kind of push it into her chest and then her tattoo that she had on her arm kind of sparks an electrical current, which frees her from this, you know, wrath um, vision that she's stuck in. And wrath is trying to get her onto her side. He says, if you can strike a bargain, if you sell your soul to house wrath, uh, I'll, I'll help everyone. It'll be fine. I'll help all your family. I know you're in trouble. And she's like, uh... This seems problematic because now I have Wrath here and now you're here and he. everyone's telling me to pick a house. This is not going well. Like you are not the sorting hat. I don't know where I belong. We go back to Claudia's house. Again, her friend, the one friend who dabbles in the dark arts because she's like, I need some clarity on what the heck is happening here because I'm clearly in over my head. And we get a little bit more information on the, the soul, uh, the curse. And it turns out, so La Prima, again, the most matron- which going back to all times, um, cast a spell on the devil, the first witch, a vengeance spell, because he stole her firstborn soul. And before that, the devil was trapped in hell for eternity. His brothers could travel between the realms, which is how Envy got there. 
Um, and he'd only retain his full powers if a witch sat on the throne beside him wearing the Horn of Hades. And that's to keep the balance of the realms. So there's no documentation on what that is or what it looks like. Classic. <laughs> Why would there be documentation? And there's some speculation that this curse in- involves removing or blocking a witch's memory. And it's believed that the truth might be found in the first book of spells created by La Prima. And that the wicked, all these brothers, are all searching for it. So Amelia immediately thinks, oh, those grimoires. Was it? Not grimoire. 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 So Amelia, I don't know. Maybe that's how you say it in Italian. I don't know. Grimoire. That seems right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. I guess we'll get um, audio fact checked when Britt joins <laughs> yeah, the, we'll the team. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Uh, so the grimoire sheets um, Victoria had hidden under her floorboards, Amelia, Amelia automatically thinks is that's what this is. Maybe it's part of her book. Maybe this is how she summoned her here. In order, and now this sets down Amelia on a path where she's just trying to avenge her sister and get more information as she can. There was a gambling chip found with her diary. She tracks it down, realizes that Envy is also in her her city, and she goes to a gambling hall. I'm sorry, not Envy. Greed is in her city, and there's also a gambling hall there. He is also after the other amulet that uh, Amelia has. So he tells her... Again, sell your soul to my house and I'll help protect everyone you love. And she's like, yeah, no, fat chance. Thank you. Respectfully, no. And he tells her, oh, well, you know, your sister already gave me her amulet. So, you know, give me yours and everything will be fine. Now, she sort of tricks him into getting more information on where this amulet is held. And we find out that it is being guarded by, now, please help me here, a Viperarde? Let's just call it Viper Demon. Yes. Yeah, Viper Demon, which I would say is equivalent to a basilisk. Yep. yep. That's exactly what I pictured and I was going to say. I think Chambers of Secrets. Now, I will say we get a little bit more information from Greed, which is a little bit important. That the Horn of Hades, that again, the witch has to have to keep peace between the realms, is also a key that locks the gates of hell. And without those keys, the hells, the demons of hell can just spill out into the mortal realm, which, again, has Victoria feel for because she's like, oh, my God, my town, my village. Like, what did my sister do? Did she unlock the gates of hell? We've got to fix this for everyone's sake. And so she needs to get that charm back. And a Veparade, a basilisk, is guarding it. She also finds out that her blood will unlock Victoria's door diary so she cuts her hand open blood comes out and her sister is talking about hiding it is something is it talking to me is it the key to unlocking the gates of hell Uh, we don't really know what it is so there's you know we're kind of going down to a deeper track you know back at home known as like the devil's here the malgavari are here you know take care and unfortunately for emilia she's like yeah i called them here i'm not gonna tell you that no no Sorry. So why she's at home and known as issuing these warnings, a ghost kind of floats into their house, takes Wrath's blade from Amelia and drags it across her throat and drags it across Nona's throat, stops her talking mid-sentence, and Amelia has to basically put her hands over her grandmother's throat to keep her from bleeding out. Yeah, she was confronting Nona at this time about like, because she knows that her grandma has more answers to all of these things. So she's like, I'm going to go confront grandma. And she takes off the amulet herself and puts it on the table with the dagger and is like, explain yourself. And then this demon comes and like takes the dagger, slices 
grandma's throat. So Amelia, Amelia is like, you know, tending to her grandma because she's like bleeding out. She's screaming, wakes up the rest of her family. They come to save her and they're like making herbal salve to put on her throat to heal her um, and like checking all the doors because they're like this shadow demon just like came, did his thing and zoomed back out. And he's like, she's like, oh my God. Like in the this process, is how dangerous. Yeah. Swiped Amelia's uh, charm, her necklace. And she doesn't even realize it until like a couple hours later. When she goes back to her treatment, she's like, ah, shit. I know. So Amelia, you know, gets some more information from Wrath and he's like, listen, I would not go by a, a viper demon snake. They're very dangerous, very poisonous. They were probably called here to guard something precious. I wouldn't go near it. And she's like, right. okay, cool. I'm going to go right there. Here's a sleeping spell on you so you don't bother me. And so that she- was the third day of the summoning spell because he said that summoning spells work for three days and he's been captured in that like protected circle in the cave for those three days. So he was on the last day. She was like, he told her, if you go there, I'm not going to help you. Like, you're not going to get saved by me. So take that what you will. And just he was hoping she wouldn't go. But she was like, fuck that. I don't need you. I'm going to go. I'm going to go anyway. And go she did. So she went there. She found the viper demon who was sleeping. She thought, I'm going to sneaky sneak up on this little sneaky snake and just yank this out of what he's guarding. Well, guess what? He woke up. His big basilisk fangs um, full of poison chomped on her a few times, which already not great start to our poor girl. And before she passes out from the pain, she takes her amulet and stabs him in the eye. So he dies. She is in and out of consciousness. Again, this is a super painful bite. And she got like three of them. And the only reason she's alive right now is because she has magical magical powers that are sort of keeping her awake. Not awake, but I guess not dead. And she hears someone come get her. He picks her up, whisks her off, and says, do I have your permission to get this poison out? And she's so in and out of it, she agrees to it, not knowing where she is, who she is, who's asking you about this. She just wants the pain to end. So she comes to a couple, a little while later and realizes that it was Wrath. Wrath picked, found her saved her and we know that something is done he's like i had to you know complete the bond you agreed to it just fyi you know there was something he said that i was like this is kind of cute um he was like whispering to her he's like live long enough to hate me for this because he knew what he was mm-hmm. going to do was stepping over mm-hmm. the line because you have to like basically it's like with all magic that we know of you know when you do something there is a boomerang effect so like I make a love potion. I know that it will come back to me and, you know, something bad could happen. So she knew that whatever he did, he must have sacrificed something for it. And she would also have to sacrifice something for it. I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. cute. We start to see this. So I will say they have really good banter back and forth where she kind of hates him. He's kind of annoyed with her. You know, it's that banter back and forth where you're like, they love each other. They just don't know it. But you know it. We're like, this is happening. This is happening. Uh-huh, this is going to uh-huh. happen. There's attraction and very under the surface here. Oh, let's also talk about the fact that when she woke up, she was in a tub. Naked. And he was in the tub with her to perform the spell, uh-huh. the ritual to save her life. And uh-huh. so. He definitely whispered stuff in her ears that she doesn't remember. Sweet somethings that we don't know. We want to know. We want to know. Oh, and he apparently like licked or kissed her neck and she could. She even though she was out, she was in and out, so she had some memories. She couldn't remember what was memory, what she was dream, but she like remembers the sensation of him kissing her neck. And 
And we find out later, you know, spoiler alert, we're just going to find out later that that means that she's marked. She's been marked by Wrath. This is sort of a protection spell. It's a great high honor to be marked by a demon. And this is something that offers her a more enhanced level of protection. Also, like apparently she can summon him without needing one of his objects. So like apparently she could just say, hey, Wrath. She just kind of like touch it, I guess. And then like... Come hither, Wrath. What a good thing uh, So Wrath helps her. You know, I think everyone's thinking now that it's greed or envy that has killed her sisters, despite pride for some reason. Pride, you know, the man who was trying to um, summon her sister. And she, they both kind of go on a hunt. Wrath explains that I wasn't licking the blood of your sister. I was testing it to see if I could taste the sense of my brothers here. It wasn't, he, you know, figures out that it wasn't greed that killed her. Maybe she accidentally summoned a lesser demon. Something happened there, but she wasn't summoning pride and she wasn't killed by greed. So from there on out, they go to the monastery um, to kind of investigate. And that's where Wrath is kind of explaining to her. Like, I don't know who she killed, who was she trying to summon, but it wasn't, you know, who we think it is. And while they're there, they run into Antonio. Antonio is the boy that she had loved from afar mostly liked had a crush on that now belongs to the brotherhood you know antonio's kind of like who is this man with you and wrath is equally skeptical like who's that man and amelia just lies and's like oh this is my good friend uh samuel samuel sam yeah samuel not samuel samuel my good friend samuel and samuel was a prince of rome and an angel of death wrath immediately like bristles and was like don't call me that and she's like okay but fine i need to pick a name and i can't call you wrath in front of him when she he encountered oh, Antonio, he was like, "Oh, would you like to have like get together and have wine so I could figure out who you are to my Amelia?" And Antonio's like, "Your Amelia, what jealousy? Jealousy also, for sure. Also, if you show up looking like Wrath, anyone's gonna be jealous of you." Also, just reminder that you're not supposed to know a demon's real name. Yeah, please continue, Caitlin. And we'll take that with a grain of salt and we'll continue. Now, they go on their quest to figure out who is killing them. Raph says, you know what? I've got some messengers in place. Let's set up some conversations and figure out who's the next bride and we can get to the bottom of this. So there's a little spy meets spy. There's some interrogation. They find out that one of his spies has sold out the messages that he's been passing back and forth to his brother Pride. And like, this is the bride. And then... Of course, that bride is mysteriously killed the next day. We don't know who it is. The spy does not reveal. And then they go to meet with Raph's other spy master, his other man on the inside. And we meet uh, Anir. Now, Anir I really is like a- this guy. I liked mm-hmm. him too. So Anir is a human who has sold his soul to hell, I suppose, and works exclusively for Wrath. So he's, you know, if Wrath is your Reese, this I feel like is your Cassian in terms of like, he's good he's fearsome he can fight but he's also kind of like bro-y in a way and like just chummy a normal he's not as polite and cold as wrath he's more human because he's human human. so you meet near and he says you know what my spy person never showed up and but i have something important to tell you Barath. so like come over here for a minute away from amelia and so why they're there she can sort of listen in he's like you know is this so bad what happened how did you get this tattoo and just like complete the marriage bond and everything it'll be fine and amelia's like i'm sorry what complete what bond and this is where we find out the spell that she had used that wrath was like please tell me what spell you used to summon me here is actually a marriage bond so when she said 
to protect eternally, that meant in marriage. And so they are uh, bonded together to be wed. That is his betrothed, whether he liked it or not. And whether I thought she this liked was so it or funny. Not. And it was, it was funny to have her find out, but it was a little annoying. You're like, you couldn't have just like mentioned this earlier. Like, why? You know, why are we the suspense? So, you know, they're gonna have to table that conversation because they say, you know, what? we got the name of the next girl. Let's go try and save her before she gets killed. Spoiler alert: they don't get there in time. She is killed. And the girl that was killed is like Claudia's cousin. Mm-hmm. I think it happens to two other girls. I think they get two names and then they both don't make it there in time to figure out who it is. But after the final time, you know, there's a cute scene where Rath and Amelia, after they find this body, she's sort of like, oh my God, in shock, like coming to grips of what her life has been in like the last week. My sister died in the last month. I've summoned a demon from hell. I am suddenly betrothed to him for life, so I can't even unpack what that means. And they do this over food. And, you know, it's funny because when he was originally put into the cave, she brought him. She's like, I don't know what you eat, but here's a cannoli. And he's like, what? What is this? And loves it. This man loved a cannoli. The greatest thing he's ever eaten. So she gets him some shrimp scampi here and is like, ooh, delightful. And again, this is where the the author really leans into the descriptions of this delightful Italian food. So while they're chatting away, um, like an – ox demon comes up behind her and chases her away and there's a battle there where she has to get away from him and she's not quite strong enough she needs Rath's help to kind of get away from him um so this is where they're learning demons are starting to escape from the gates of hell this is a problem we need to get through at this time, Raph has taken up residence in a stolen palace that he's sort of using. He says, I need you to come stay with me because I need to protect you at all times. This is part of the curse. This is the bargain you forced upon me. So you basically have to agree. And she's like, fine. Now, this is where some of their best banter ensues. So there's not a whole lot of sexy, sexy times, but there is some hot makeup scenes that happen. Any thoughts on that, gals? So I was trying to be innovative and I was like, oh, you know what? This book is like emotional blue balls. And then I think Britt just reminded me that's called tension. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Wait, I think we skipped out the part where, like, she meets Lust on we the did. beach, right? Right. So before the dinner with the scampi and the weird ox that comes up behind her, she's called down to a cave, another cave. Again, Italy's ripe with caves by the beach for us to go down to. She gets this feeling and a, a warning is telling her, like, don't go, don't go. And she's like, I'm going to go. Because when do we ever listen to our internal voices? She goes and she is enthralled by music. All these people are dancing and she's swaying around. She's like, this is the greatest. I've never felt this great in my life. Like, I finally feel so free. I feel so happy. Ooh, here comes Wrath marching up. He looks good. Let me get in those pants. And so she is pawing at him to try and get to him. And he's like, please stop. Please. Please stop. Okay, you're making this hard for me. Please stop. Like, literally hard for me. Right. And then he's like... (laughs) She's like, don't you want us to get me naked? And he's like, I've already seen you naked. And she goes, and he's like, we can readdress, readdress this situation um, when you get home. So this is where we meet his other brother, Lust. Now, Lust, again, like envy and greed, they're after her. They want something she has. And they are trying to recruit them to her house. So once Lust removes those feeling of Lust, she's immediately sent into a deep, deep, deep depression for like two weeks i think she's just in the void like coming out of what is wrath also like stops his brother and sends him back to hell 
Right, because he's pissed at him. He's like, really? Really? And takes his demon, the blade that Amelia has on her, and stabs him. Now, we do see some really cute scenes here, which is where we start to see the romance blossom, where Wrath is trying to nurse her back to health from this deep depression. So he's giving her food. She just kind of wants to sleep all the time. She's He's trying to raise her spirits. And ultimately, he ends up setting up a bath and sort of a ritual for her. I forgot, it's like some kind of earth ritual where there's like sand and flowers along a bath. Yeah, it was like a... Something to do with the moon and all of the elements to recharge her powers. He picks her favorite flowers, too. I know. That was cute. I was like, how did you find her favorite flowers? Well, whatever. It was just really sweet to see him. And I think she's taken aback. Like, wow, he knew enough about the rituals to set this up for me. And she finally starts to feel better. So once she's feeling better, back on the hunt. The Scooby gang, a.k.a. just her and Raph, are trying to figure out who killed her sister. So she figures, you know what, Claudia, my friend who dabbles in the dark arts, she has some premonitions before. Let me go see her, see if there's any other premonitions. So why she's there, Claudia is babbling nonsense. Like, it's here. There's so many voices. I don't know what's happening. And she's going crazy. And before she can calm her down, because she's really screaming in the streets at this point, the brotherhood come and kind of haul her away. Antonio's there. Amelia is worried that the Brotherhood could get a little fanatical and maybe accuse her of being a witch, which she is, and she doesn't want that to happen. She's like, oh, she just had, like, too much to drink. No problem. Yeah. There's, Nothing to see here. There's one brother specifically that when she was growing up was around in that monastery, and he travels to other ones, and he was really, at, like, heading up the witch trials, basically. And now that she, he's returned, she's really worried that, you know, they're going to get caught out. And if he sees claudia babbling like this you know he's going to basically accuse her of being a witch and like end her but thankfully antonio's there and he's like runs up to her and she's like oh he's just just drunk like we need to get her back to my grandma's house give her like a tonic she'll be fine um so everything's fine nothing to see here so after she leaves claudia's house uh she runs into another demon of hell um a vampire Hilda, a vampire named Alexi. Now, there's not like, he's not like sexy Alexi. He's just a vampire. And he has a message from her from the House of Envy. So basically alludes to saying, you know, your parents are in danger and everyone's locked in the kitchen at your house and I will torture everyone you hold dear to you because I need you to give me your amulet. You have 24 hours to bring the other horn of Hades. So they figure out, I'm sorry, this is a big plot point. I kind of skirted over. But they find out earlier, and Hilda or Bridget, do you guys remember how they find out? I found out through deductive reasoning. Okay, because I'm like trying to think back. Like how, I think <laughs> we put the pieces all together. But we find out, you know, again, through pushing all these pieces back together, that the amulets the girls were actually the Horn of Hades, which were shrunken and kind of held around the girls' necks um, as protection to keep the, the devil from ever gaining them back, which is why the brothers and the demons are all hot for them. They have to have them. They have to have both of them in order to make the magic work. So Envy tells her, look, you got 24 hours, bring me other amulet, amulet and everyone will be safe. Amelia's like, well, shit, I don't have the other amulet. How are we going to do this? My whole family's in danger. Uh, so she goes back to Wrath and you're trying to figure out what is, is happening oh. here. Envy also like basically tells her that Wrath isn't who she thinks he is and He's also keeping secrets from her and he has one soul to collect to be free. And she's like, no, this can't be. So she goes back to 
their palace to find this out. And this is where they make out. Because she's like, I need to distract him long enough to get the answer out of him. The old make out and get hot and heavy and distract him for an answer. Who among us hasn't done it? I was going to say not I, but I'm just going to retract that statement. (laughs) So Amelia heads back to her parents' house because she realizes she does not have this. Um, But we learned some information. And that is that uh, Nona, when she was a young woman, was entrusted as being the keepers of the horns, which is how the girls had it. And is part of an ancient prophecy involving twin witches. So when they're born on the night of a terrible storm, only then can the amulets be worn. Now, no other twin witches in their city, in their town, have been born. So this has to apply to Amelia and the twins. And if they choose to do nothing, if the girls choose to not make great sacrifices required of them to keep the gates of hell intact, then hell will reign on earth. The twins are supposed to bring balance to the realms. So... Amelia goes back to her parents' house, and after finding out more information from Nona, don't worry, I paid attention in book two. I know what's happening in book two. <laughs> oh well, to the good. Best of my you're going to lead us through book two. Uh, so Amelia thinks, listen, I have one amulet. Maybe I can use one amulet to call the other. I have to get both. I have to see this through. So she uses her amulet to sort of guide her again through that liked calls to like reasoning, where she can feel a humming kind of. I imagine like those like old timey things where they have like they're trying to find water and they're like which way do i go with like a summoning stick do you know what i'm talking about (laughs) yeah yeah okay thank you that's how i kind of pictured her roaming the streets of italy trying to figure out where her her amulet is i believe she finds it in some kind of cave because again caves and while she's there she's met with she can hear demons coming soon And she draws herself a quick protection circle, but the demons start to come up around her. Now, Wrath is summoned. He feels her, you know, through the bond and comes to help her abate some of the the demons, but they're met by envy. Wrath tries to unleash his power, but he can't because Amelia's in the same place. And envy takes the demon dagger and stabs Wrath, which sends sends him back to hell. You know, it's a little sweet. We start to see Amelia think that he's dying. I mean, he does, but he goes back to hell. He has to regenerate. Um, But she's very worried about this, and she's freaking out that he's dead for real. You know, there's some more investigative work where we're trying to figure out where the heck Victoria has gone to summon. Like, what was she doing the final days before her death? We're still not entirely sure. But we learn that she is trying to unite and prepare other magical beings. So we learn about... For some reason, my brain wants to call them timber wolves, but they're not. It's a kind of like a moon wolf, some kind of wolf, um, ember wolves. And then there's a werewolf group, a tribe, who Vittoria's old boyfriend, so Domenico Jr., was a part of. And then we also learn that there are Benedati, which are humans, who also fight. They are spirits that turn into animal forms. And so there's other magical beings at play, and she was trying to unite unite them against a common cause. We're not quite sure what that common cause is. But when she's meeting with Domenico Sr. and he's telling her this information, uh, everything is pointing back to the monastery. So Amelia heads back there because she still thinks there's some kind of witch hunters involved and it's coming out of the Brotherhood. And maybe ultimately Victoria was trying to compile these other magical beings to rise up against the witch hunters to save the gates of hell from being closed. So when she gets back to the monastery, creeps back down, and she hears voices. And as she gets down to the end of the voices, she steps into a seemingly empty room and then 
bam whoa <laughs> hit my mic bam bam she's for real locked into a room and she's set in a containment spell so as the containment spell takes effect and the glamour drops from what looked like a normal room, the rooms are covered in Latin. Um, it's a spell that hasn't been broken. The rooms are starting to glow and she sees that she's alone except for a book. Now we think that this book is the it Victoria has warned about in her diary and is a secret her sister died to keep. This book we believed is La Prima's Grimore and someone had summoned the devil or wanted to and this was – what Victoria had pulled the pages out of. So as she's in there alone, a hooded figure randomly appears and we come to find out it's bum 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 Antonio. So Antonio uh has been behind all these huntings and killings. I knew it. He's the one who killed Victoria. Now Amelia, our girl, is not going to go down fighting. She whispers some spells at him. She's slashing him, tearing up his robes, and he immediately you know, is like, be gone, witch, and falls to his knees to pray. And instead of immediately killing him, she needs to question him. So Antonio reveals that when his mother was dying earlier, he brought a witch to try and save her, but the witch couldn't. So he vowed if he met another witch, he'd kill her. And later on, an angel came to him informing him of the devil's curse. In order to break it, the devil needed to marry a witch. Now, is this curse sounding familiar to anyone? The angel said he'd provide the names of these potential brides and all Antonio had to do was save the people from true evil and kill them. So what does this tell us? This tells us that Antonio has been getting word from someone. Again, we're still not sure who it is at this point. We know it's either greed or envy. We're pretty sure it's envy, though, um, who's behind all of this and wants to kill the witches for some reason because he doesn't want pride to marry them. And he uses Antonio to to, to do that work. Antonio knows that Amelia has the Horn of Hades and he wants to destroy it. He wants to kill the devil when Amelia summons him. And somehow pride arrives in Antonio's body. Um, and pride wants Amelia to be his consort, to be his bride. He's like, you're here. I need a bride. Is it you? Can it be you, girl? And he says, meet him in the cave before agreeing to everything. And all the cost of this, of course, is just your soul. Just sign over your soul and you're with me forever. No big deal. No big deal. Um, so Amelia, you know, thinking of her family that she needs to protect, her city, her town, everyone that lives there, she agrees to this this whack deal. Again, not knowing who this person is, this is a stranger danger, Amelia, but, you know, it's fine. We're just going to roll with it. So instead of being the devil in the cave, we meet Amelia. Uh, we run into Wrath. Now, Wrath where he's been warming up to her very, very slowly throughout this whole time. We saw those sweet nothings. He saved her. He made the spell bath, all those cute things. He's much colder here and much more indifferent. She's not entirely sure what has happened. So with the weight of the world protecting her against, for her to protect against the gates of hell, um, she agrees to come with him under two conditions. No other witch will be hunted and no other human attacked. And every prince of hell would stay out of the human world. And also Antonio will be her prisoner. So I guess more than two conditions. With that, a scroll just pops out of nowhere and says, you know, I, Amelia, agree to be married to Prince of Wrath. And all she has to do this is prick her little finger and sign it away in blood. She agrees to marry Pride. Pride. Sorry, did I say Wrath? Wrath yeah. is there presenting like, Pride. Like, what's she thinking? I know, right? 
Wrath is there presenting prides. He has to be the one to take the bride in. Wrath seems indifferent and cold. And Amelia is very like, I don't know why you're so upset. This is literally the job you were sent here to do. And I'm doing it. So like, what's with the tood? So as soon as after she finishes um, signing her finger in blood, um, Wrath takes both amulets that she had secured back, the horns of Hades. They take hands and then poof, they've arrived in the gates of hell. Wrath has brought her to hell to bring her back to pride and save her town. And that's where this book ends. Well, well. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. What do you mean you don't have any have, idea what's going I on? I have no idea what is going on, but I know that I like it. And I, I will say it's the mid part was a little slow for me as we're kind of traversing the town. Like, is it greed? Is it envy? We're in a gambling den. I feel like she did a really, really good job, the author, describing Italy and the sights and the sounds and the the food. Delicious. This book did make me hungry. Yeah. Who knew I really wanted to eat some sardines? Yeah. I knew zero in the sardines. I was like, the scampies, sign me up. Well, that too. But like every single time they talked about sardines, I was like, I want sardines right now. But the magical building and the hierarchy behind it was a little confusing. So like there's a devil, but we don't really talk about him that much. We're mainly focused on the seven princes of hell and then like the lesser devils. The eight princes. Eight princes. I'm sorry. There's eight? I thought there were seven. Yeah. No, there's seven. Like he's one of the seven. Eight. The seven deadly sins. There's a prince. For I know sin. there's seven deadly sins, but I thought there was eight princes. Oh. Well, isn't like pride also the actual devil himself? Mm-hmm. That comes up. Um, I had a really hard time at the beginning because it was like she kept shuffling and running into a prince to find out information, but it was like the same back and forth, like oh, come join my team, jo- join my house. I'll give you the information you need. You'll be protected. And I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like kind of like once Wrath was out and we started get- getting the bomb moving and stuff like that when he was out of his summoning circle and they actually went on like little missions to actually find stuff. I was like, all right, cool. We're picking up speed here. Yeah, we pick up speed. <clears throat> I think I could have used a little more clarity on like the motivation. I mean, yes, I know you want to find a bride, but like I'm still a little unclear, like – I guess, yes, we want these magical amulets back, but I like what's the deeper meanings behind these things? I think I could have used. And I also found Wrath's withholding of information a little annoying. You know, I feel like we'd have gotten to these conclusions a lot faster and maybe I'd have a more deeper understanding of what was happening if he just used more than one word sentences. Right. But I mean, like, if you could tell everything at the beginning of the book, then what's the point of having book two and book three? It's true. And overall, I really did like this book. I dove immediately into book two, which I read in like two days. So I am excited for the last one to come out in a few short weeks. So what did you guys think? Any other thoughts on Kingdom of the Wicked? No, I guess I'll go finish reading the last 20% now. (laughs) I mean, I guess I spoiled it for you. It's okay. I knew what I was coming into. Uh, That's why I had a feeling that Antonio was like the one killing and I was like just waiting I started suspecting him when he went and screamed to his mom, her mom and was like, I found her with this dude. Sam L. Like, Sam Yall. I'm not sure how to say his like, name. Sam? This hot guy in the monastery that she's with, they called her My Amelia. And they have matching tattoos. Yeah. And, you know, I kept wondering. I'm like, okay, if I am Amelia's mom I, and grandma, 
I would be freaking the F out that she's like just not coming home at night. No one knows where she is. Well, they're also Her sister 18. was murdered. Her sister was just murdered. Yeah, but this is like old school Italy. You think Hispanic parents are bad? <laughs> so I had a problem because like they were so present at the very beginning with when the sister was still alive and going off with the warnings and stuff like, like that. And then you mean to tell me that she was able to just drop a note to her parents and be like, I'm leaving. I'm going to go live somewhere else to protect you guys. And they were fine with that. They were up in her business literally every second of the day. And suddenly they were so okay later just going on. Later, I think, and I think we kind of breezed over it. Um, but after Nona is attacked or the family is held hostage by Envy, she tells her, you're marked and this is a high honor and you need to run. Like you need to get away and I'll take the family into hiding. So she does kind of usher her away, but that's in the, like the last portions of the book so right i'm talking about like from like that early before. right like once she starts living with wrath at the the palace yeah right and it's not like one overnight and also everyone was all up in victoria's business when she was like late an hour for a shift at sea and vine which also is the cutest name for a restaurant i really want to go to one it is i want to eat all the food and we're out of food i was here for the italian culture and maybe want to take a trip to italy just to be inspired for the third book let's go find a cave and see if we can Summon our own wrath. Yeah, I was like, okay. is this we'll in the budget? Be using my blood. Maybe one day we'll have a book talk made me vacation adventure. <laughs> we can all go on some kind of group. It is my dream one day to host like a, you know, a read-in where we all just stay at a hotel by the pool. We're like, you know, Akatar 4 is out. And I'm glad you also here. think that because I was like, there's probably so many book talkers in the West Palms, Miami area. You know, we had talked about doing that for book eight. We're like, we're going to rent a hotel room. Zodiac Academy. We're just going to sit here outside with the pool boy to bring me my margaritas or my Bloody Marys. And I'm just going to read in silence, unbothered, working on my tan. And it sounds like a dream. And I'm happy to do this in Italy. You know, hear me, Carrie Minalescu, Carrie M. <laughs> please, please, Carrie, please bring us back to Italy where we can read your book three in like two short weeks. Overall, love this book. Excited to see where it takes us and to learn more about the magical realms. So as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we are going to have Listen with Britt back and we're going to recap the third book. And she's the one who hooked us on to this. Before we go, you know we always have our last request. If you've liked what you've heard or you liked any of the podcast episodes previous before this, please, please, please give us a rating or review. We really appreciate it. We love hearing from you guys. We'd love to hear what you loved. What are your favorite book recommendations you want us to read? So give us a five-star review on Apple Music. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Um, that would really help us out. We'd really appreciate you. And we'll give you some love in return, little shout-outs at the end. Of course, you can always follow us on Instagram and TikTok at booktalkmademe underscore pod. Also, you can feel free to shoot us a DM there. Let us know what you thought about Kingdom of the Wicked. Have you guys read the series? Let us know. You know we're always down for thoughts and feelings. Um, before we go, any last thoughts, gals? Um, book two is is hot. <laughs> book what two is good. What Hilda? <laughs> Emotional, Emotional blue balls. <laughs> Emotional blue balls. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does satisfy some urges. <laughs> hey, maybe if you guys think it's funny enough, we'll put it on some merch and sell it to you guys. Or just give it away free. Who knows? <laughs> Emotional blue balls. Be right next to that mug where I called Lance Orion to softened asshole. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny. Can you imagine like that, mug, that mug? You just have, yeah, like 
just no context. These things just sound crazy. But we'll happily put it in a mug for you should you all desire. All right, guys. Well, that is all for us today from your favorite book talk readers. Um, We love y'all and we'll talk to you soon when we cover book two of Kingdom of the Wicked series. Bye. Bye.